Our sponsor today is Johnson Matthew, a global leader in sustainable technology. Johnson Matthew's vision is for a world that's cleaner and healthier today and for future generations. Johnson Matthew's scientists use their deep understanding of materials, surface science, chemistry, and chemical engineering to design catalysts, advanced materials, and processes, tackling the world's biggest challenges, such as reaching net zero, enabling cleaner air, improving health, and using our planet's natural resources more efficiently. For over 20 years, they have been in the manufacturing and shape setting of nitinol tubes, sheets, and components for the medical device industry, so Johnson Matthey is an ideal sponsor for today's podcast. Johnson Matthey, inspiring science, enhancing life. Welcome to It's a Material World, the show that uncovers why material science will change the world with your hosts, David Ye and Puniku Pavia. Before we get into the episode, I just wanted to mention that we created a free professional development guide for MSCs, which you can find in the show notes below. And without further ado, let's get started. Hi, everyone. We are excited to bring on today's guest, Dr. Bikai Guan, the Material Science and Engineering Fellow at the University of Sheffield, as well as a UK Research and Innovation Future Leaders Fellow. His research focuses mainly on the development of high-performance light alloys like magnesium, aluminum, and titanium in areas where energy efficiency is urgently needed, like automotives. As such, we are very much looking forward to chatting with him about the alloys currently making up cars and the future of this industry. Thank you so much, and welcome to the show, Dr. Guan. Thank you very much for the introduction, David. So it's my pleasure to be here to talk about what we have done and what materials are in the cars. So before we get into your focus, which is magnesium alloys in cars, could you start by telling us what metals are used currently in our cars today? Yeah, you know, the choice of the materials is probably the most important thing for the automotive manufacturers, because if you choose the right material, the performance of the cars will be quite different uh, when you compare to other competitors. I mean, uh, if you want to have a material for the cars, you need the, the material to be, you know, have a high strength, high formability, and cheap, of course, and has good corrosion resistance. Unfortunately, if you look at the periodic table, then you can find most of the metals and alloys have these kind of features. So as far as I understand, maybe there are top five uh, metals and alloys used in our cars. So first of all, it's definitely steel because you know from the economy side, steel is the most cheap material compared to other energy systems. Uh, it also have high strength, high corrosion resistance, and the formability is also pretty good compared to other energy uh, systems. But when we talk about steel, you may be surprised because there may be over 1,000 different types of steels in the world invented by the scientists uh, in the material science research field. That is quite amazing. So it depends on where you are going to put the steel in, into the cars. If you want to put into the car chassis, then you definitely need to use the advanced high strength steel because the, the stress is pretty high. So you can support the four or five persons in the car. You can also support you know, the, the, the car frame or car bodies. So you, you definitely, so you cannot use the pure iron because it's much softer and it's much heavier. 
so if you want to use some, for example, on the roof or on the bumper, then you, you also need to use uh, high strength steels as well. So the, the other alloy system I, I have think bear in my mind is maybe the aluminum. So aluminum is, I think, the second most used uh, metals in, in cars. Because again, so the production cost is a bit higher than uh, steel, but it's high strength and it also corrosion resistance when the car runs you know, in the uh, rains or in the waters. But the most important thing is, you know, aluminum is much lighter than uh, steel. So because, you know, currents need the government and the regulations and the policy makers always, you know, uh, warning the uh, manufacturers, we, we want you to reduce the carbon emissions and improve the fuel efficiency. So that's the biggest driving force for the, you know, industry to, you know, integrate and emitting alloys into the, the cars and which is actually very successful in the market, I, I think. Another alloy, I think, is magnesium because um, I have been focused, uh, working on magnesium lots of times, uh, lots of years. So because uh, magnesium is even lighter than uh, aluminum, so the most benefit is that we can further reduce the carbon emissions. So everyone is uh, realize how important, you know, to reduce the carbon emissions for the earth. Otherwise, you know, we may end up with, you know, no human beings is, is going to live in, in, in the earth. So that would be a, a disaster. So alloys, I can think is the, the copper, you know, because copper is very conductive. So it's mostly used as, you know, electric conductors, you know, to transfer the, uh, to support the electric powers. It can be also used to transfer the data or it can act as the sensors. So just imagine if you have a basic car, you can also have maybe the total length of the wire the copper wire may be over one kilometers within a you know basic car, and the total weight could be up to maybe fifteen kilos in a basic car, and twenty maybe thirty kilos to in a luxury car. And last but not least is titanium alloys. So titanium is actually mainly used for aerospace or aircraft because it's very expensive but it has high strength and crucial resistance. So it has great potential to be used in cars. I think the barrier to restrict titanium in the amounts of the titanium used in the cars is the production cost and machining cost as well. So because it's very difficult to machine a titanium into maybe car parts, especially if the parts has a complex shape. Yes, that's the most, that's the five material which have been used in, in, in the cars. That's a really good overview of all the different metals that we would see. Another question we have for you is, you kind of touched on a little bit about the prices and some of the uses, but could you walk us through in more detail, which of these metals would be used for like a basic economy car versus a luxury car versus like a super, even an F1 race car? And like what types of these metals that they would pull from? I think for the, for the basic car, it normally is, uh, the material will be, you know, steel or even iron, because like what I said, so it, it's very cheap compared to, you know, uh, other energy systems. For example, the production cost of steel may be less than one pound, less than one dollar per pound. 
but for aluminum, it will be over two, two donors, and for magnesium, it maybe it's nearly five donors per pound. So you can see the difference. Quick question, Dakai, about that. I was just wondering what exactly drives that lower production cost. Like for me, it felt maybe a partial contributing factor is the fact that there's been a lot more time and、uh, research invested into mastering and fine tuning like the steel production process. Is that true? Yes, the production cost is not only related to the raw material, but also related, you know, involved with the、uh, machining cost, maintenance cost, and tuning cost. As well as the protection cost, because if you use magnesium alloys, then you you also need to consider how you're going to restrict、uh, the corrosion with other metals, and you also need to do some、uh, surface coating as well. So there are lots of other costs involved, rather than only you know the ingot cost. Got it. That makes sense. I, I will let you finish your answer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So for the, for the basic one, I mean, you may have. Just the simple operations、uh, of the car. You don't have the entertaining part built in your cars. So, but for the let's say for the luxury cars, the material of the body frame may be different. Maybe you will have a aluminium body frame,、uh, which is you know seen in the、uh, high end cars like some high end SUV cars. So, I think、uh, you can see lots of manufacturers like. BMW and Audi and、uh, Land Rover and Jaguar, they 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 have you know released some cars models with the all aluminium car bodies. So which is now in the market, but the price is much higher than the basic one. So if some families don't care about the price, they they just want just focus on the speed or the manufacturing and entertaining part. Yeah, they can choose the aluminium body cars. So for the super luxury cars or super high end cars like the sports cars or F1 cars, because at that stage they don't care about the money <laughs> because they they can't offer to buy to buy those kind of cars. They they really care about the performance of the cars. So the first thing coming into my mind is the the lighter the faster. So if you're the total weight of the cars is. Lighter than any other cars, it means the acceleration and、uh, race speed will be much faster. So this is important for the F1. So I mean, in that market, then you can add more aluminium or you know magnesium alloys or even carbon fiber composite into the cars, which will further reduce the total weight of the cars. But the performance will not be decreased. So because you know, if you have、uh, lighter materials. Uh, the center of the gravity points will be actually moved towards the、uh, the rear of the car pod, which will be useful, you know, to steering the cars easily. Or you know, when you when you do the kind of if you want to have have a shut corner, if you have a shut corner, then it will be easier for you to drive the car. Interesting. Okay, and so we'll we'll get into magnesium versus aluminum versus carbon fiber composites a little bit later in this episode. But I was just wondering if we could focus on magnesium for now, and I guess what are the benefits and drawbacks to using magnesium alloys instead of something more conventional like steel or aluminum? The most important feature is magnesium is much lighter, so it only have a、uh, maybe two thirds of aluminium and maybe. 
or quarter of steel. So, which means if, if you want to reduce the total weight of uh, the, the cars, then it's possible. For example, let's just make an example. So currently the magnesium only take up maybe 1%, less than 1% of the total weight of the car. So now if you, we imagine if we increase the total amount of magnesium to 10%, the interaction can reduce the total weight, let's say 30, over 30% of the cars. So that were big difference. So then the carbon emissions and uh, you know the fuel economy will be changed significantly. All, all the human beings and you know even all the animals, all the creatures in, in the in the earth will be you know the beneficiaries because there will be no extra carbon emissions. So the light density is the is the most important feature of magnesium alloys. So that is the why the engineers want to, you know, put more magnesium alloys into, into the car bodies. So the other thing I mentioned, the other advantage I mentioned before is, you know, uh, because the performance will be uh, changed as well, because, you know, the waste reduction improves the performance, you know, by enhancing the acceleration and deceleration. So if you reduce the vehicle weight, the front, it will definitely announce the center of the gravity to be moved uh, real World improve the response, you know, in steering and uh, cornering. So that that's another, you know, it's not it's not just uh, re- reduce the carbon emissions, but also you know improve the performance of the cars. But like what I mentioned before, so magnesium has not been widely used in the cars, and there because there are several drawbacks of magnesium alloys. So the most challenging part is the corrosion resistance of magnesium alloys because for aluminium, you on the surface of the aluminium alloys or steel, it will form a very dense oxide film on the surface, which can actually protect the aluminium or steel part. But in, on magnesium, the surface uh, is not protected by magnesium oxide because the magnesium oxide on the surface is porous. So the general corrosion resistance is not as good as aluminium or steel. And the other feature is, you know, the you also because the galvanic corrosion. So when you have two metals touched together, galvanic corrosion will happen. And magnesium, you always was the you know the the material which will be corroded severely when when you touch with a steel or aluminium. And the last thing I think is the strength of magnesium. I mean the ultimate strength of magnesium is not as high as aluminium or steel. Uh, so that that's the another drawback which limits the you know the magnesium applications because you cannot you know uh, know or bear the high strength. So that would be a safety issue if you use the kind of soft material as a car chassis. One question I have is that we talked about a bunch of the drawbacks of magnesium, such as the corrosion resistance being very poor and the actual strength of material also being poor. In your research, which of these areas is being the most developed? And for some of these things, like it's just not as strong as aluminum. Is there really that much that we can do as scientists to improve that material feature? Or will we always just have to work around that drawback? That's a very good question. So for example, when we talk about the strengths, there are kind of two concepts. So we talk about ultimate strength, so which is you know like absolute strength. 
200, 300 MPa. There is another way to talk about strains. It's like a specific strains. So it's like strains over density. So the specific strains of magnesium is actually higher than aluminum or steel if you consider the density. So that's the kind of advantage. But in most of the cases, you know, the engineers or the manufacturer only care about, you know, the absolute yielding strains or ultimate strains. So that is what we are aiming to improve the absolute, uh, the yielding strains or ultimate strains rather than just, you know, tolerate with the, with the, you know, the poor yielding strains. So we, I think in, in this research field, the researchers have, you know, trying to develop different manufacturing process or any design process or even, even thermal mechanical process, you know, trying to improve the mechanical property or physical properties of magnesium alloys, make magnesium competitive to other alloys like aluminum or steel. So recently, if you look at the literatures, you will find, so the, the paper has been increasingly published that several advanced magnesium alloys have been developed either by alloy design or, or manufacturing processing. So now more and more magnesium alloys have been discovered, which can be used to replace aluminum or steel. But I just want to stress this is kind of lab scale. So it's not, it's not like industrial scale. So from the lab scale to industrial scale, there's still a long way to go. So the material scientists is not giving up. We're not just, you know, the, the strength of the magnesium is poorer than steel. There's, we, there's no need we, we, we need to do. So we are not giving up. We're still working on, you know, trying different strategies to improve the mechanical or physical properties of magnesium alloys. And I believe maybe 10 years, in 10 years or in 20 years, magnesium will be, you know, very powerful will be very strong corrosion resistance to replace aluminum and uh, uh, steel in some parts of the cars. I guess moving on to that second part about the manufacturing, currently we've heard recent news of Tesla's Gigapress, which is at the bottom line, just being able to reduce a hundred unique metal parts that each have been molded into just one large piece that can be um, almost injection molded and just uh, pressed together in their factory. How are metal car parts normally made and how does this new innovation change the outlook on fabrication costs and other things that you were talking about before with challenges of magnesium fabrication? Yeah, I, I heard this news, I think, uh, in the early of this year, which is, you know, blowing in my mind. <laughs> I mean, wow. This technology will change our lives. It's, it's a game changer, definitely. So let me answer your first question. So for the conventional metal processing, so the metals, you know, can plastically deform at some temperature. So when, when I say plastically, I'm not meaning metals like plastics. Uh, so it's just like, it's just, we use that term to describe this behavior. So for example, if you, if you have a wire and then you can stretch it at maybe 300 or 400, so it can be kind of plastic de deformed. So because of this feature, it's actually when you, when you do the plastic deformation, you change a lot of mech structure within the material. And that's why we can tailor 
uh, manipulates the, the properties of the alloys we used. So there are different uh, uh, forming technologies. So the, the first technology coming in my mind is the rolling. So you can have a hot rolling or a cold rolling or the combination of these rolling technologies. So just imagine you have a thick plate and then you want to have a, a thin shade, then you just put the thick plates uh, between the uh, minerals and in the end you will get maybe a thin shade like uh, three to five millimeters. So that during this process, you actually you know, can enhance the mechanic, mechanical properties as well as the corrosion resistance. So there are other forming technologies like what we call forging. So you just, just imagine you have a hammer and then you have a, let's say you have a pancake and you're not happy about the shape of the pancake and you just want to, you know, to make your own pancake. So you, <laughs> you just use a hammer to just hammer around and then you have a different shape. And during, when you hammer your, your pancake, the max structure inside your, your pancake has been changed significantly. So maybe in the end, your, 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 your pancake will be hardened you know, significantly. You can't use your teeth you know, to, to chew it anymore. So that, that's the material after hammering normally have a string hardening in the end. So that's what we really want. To, you know, to improve the strength. But at the same time, we, we don't want, you know, to lose its uh, uh, ductility or formability because otherwise it's difficult to, to do the machining or it's difficult, you know, to do the forming as well. So we need to, you know, use the rice parameters to do this, uh, you know, hammering or forging. And the other technologies could be, you know, stamping, which is uh, similar to, to forging as well as extrusion. So for example, if you want to have a pipe hollow profile, then you, you just have a kind of a special die, special dies, and then you just inject your material through a channel or through a, you know, um, a mold, then it will come out as a you know, customized uh, profile, like a extrusion bar or extrusion hollow uh, product. So, you can also use the bending. Just imagine you have a metal bar and you want to bend it a bit, but make sure you don't apply extremely high stress. Otherwise, you will fracture in the end. So there's nothing you can do other than remelting this material if you want to reuse this material. Yes, that's the traditional or uh, commonly used uh, forming technologies in metals and alloys for producing tar parts. Most recently, I mean, in the past decade, so the scientists developed an, another new technology, which we call a digital manufacturing, which is also called 3D printing. So it's, the concept is like, you know, if you use the conventional technology, you need to first, you need to produce a, a very big block material, and then you do the machining, and maybe you have 10 kilo in the beginning, and for the products, you only have one kilo. So that will be a waste of the materials. But if you use 3D printing, you can actually just print in a 3D way, and then there will be no waste of the materials. And you can build a nearness shape or a complex shape uh, part just in one step. So that is very cost effective as well. So let's come back to the, you know, the big press used in Tesla. 
I mean, Tesla is always doing big things. They're crazy, but they're very ambitious. And sometimes, you know, they push the technology forward. So I watched that kind of giga press video before. I mean, wow. <laughs> this is kind of, you know, I don't know how to, how to say that. I mean, if, if this is going to be a daily job in future, then that it, it seems like it can produce maybe 1 million cars in a year. So if the, you know, the production is going up, so everyone will, you know, have the money to buy, to buy the Tesla Model Y because, you know, the, the cost reduction, if you can produce lots of cars within one year, I mean, the, the cost will be decreased significantly because what I remember that, so the, the price will drop like 40%. So for example, if you want to buy a 100K cars, then now you only need to spend 60,000. Why not? Yeah, the other thing is, you know, if you, because they use like the, the GigaPress, you know, it's a joint machine, which is the, the cure technology is the high pressure die casting. So you, you have the melt and then the dyes just inject the melts into, into the mold and then you get the body frame or chassis with just one step. And then if you have, let's say if you have 10 GigaPress, then you can develop maybe 300 50,000 chassis a year. And if you have 20, then the, the production will be doubled. So, I mean, although the, you know, the size of the gigapress is big, it, it seems it will uh, occupy a large size of the workshop, but they can, you know, they can do the work, you know, the gigapress can do the work, uh, which can be only done by maybe 300 robots. So now, it, if you compare the, the, the space they, they occupy, actually the size of the workshop will be reduced at least 30% if you have a gigapress. So, I mean, you can reduce the workshop, the size of the workshop, you can reduce the cost of the cars. This is perfect. And you can also, you know, produce the car, millions of cars in a short time and you will change the market. Uh, I don't know what, what the other manufacturer is going to do because if they don't do anything, then you know Tesla is going to dominate the, the car market. So they, they definitely need to do something. I'm sure you're hyping David up with his internship at Tesla. So that's very exciting. And I remember there's parallels with 3D printing with uh, the aerospace industry from what I've learned at GE Aviation, combining something that was 100 different parts into one 3D printed part. So that's all super fascinating. And I guess just moving forward, one other thing we wanted to talk about is, you know, combining the uh, properties of strength, ductility and shock absorption and I was just curious about how light alloys compare to carbon composites when it comes to these properties. So carbon composites, it's like usually in the cars, it's normally the carbon fiber uh, reinforced polymer, which we call uh, CFRP. So the, composite fiber, the property of composite fiber is perfect in terms of the strength and corrosion resistance, as well as you know the energy absorption. So it's much better than the other nice alloy systems like aluminium, magnesium, or steel. So it's a perfect material for, for the cars. 
So that's the reason why why it's popular in automotive uh, industry. The carbon fiber has been widely used in aircraft and aerospace as well. The 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 other thing is um, carbon fiber is not temperature sensitive, so it is very stable at a wide range of temperatures, which you know the other alloy systems cannot do that. So, for example, mag- the melting point of magnesium is only six hundred fifty. So if you want to use magnesium at maybe 300 Celsius degrees, that will be very challenging because the strength will be decreased significantly at that temperature range. But you know, the, the carbon fiber has no problem using in this temperature at all. So another advantage of carbon fiber is uh, low density as well. So the density is even 20 or 30% lower than aluminum. So you know, if you can use uh, a large amount of carbon fiber in the cars, so the total weight of the car will be reduced, you know, substantially. I mean, previously, when I attend a seminar, um, someone, you know, show an image, you know, with a car frame uh, made of steel and another car frame made of aluminum. So two persons can actually lift the, the car frame made of magnesium. I mean, if, if the car frame is made of carbon fiber, and then I think one, one person can lift the, that kind of car frame. So then you, you, you will see the, the difference between these uh, materials. So it, it will definitely you know, improve the uh, fuel economy and reduce the carbon emissions significantly. However, the carbon fiber is very expensive it's much higher than the steel and meaning of magnesium. But the cost involved, you know, the raw materials as well as, you know, the, the production cost. So it's, you cannot produce this in a mass way. So, you know, you can only produce a small volume of the carbon fibers, you know. So another, another issue is, you know, the, the recyclability because most of the metals can be recycled effectively, you know, even 100% recycle. But for the carbon fiber, it's difficult because the, the, the carbon fiber reinforced polymer is uh, kind of made of from the non-renewable materials, let's say petroleum. So to fabricate or produce this material is very labor intensive and time consuming as well. So, Although they have significant challenge uh, advantages over other metal alloys, so there are still some challenges which need to be addressed in future. Otherwise, you know the the volume of the carbon com- companies used in the cars will be limited. Oh, cool! I think we've covered a lot of different material choices and different material systems today and the role of alloys in the automotive space and how material development will facilitate the next generation of electric cars. Considering everything we've talked about today, what advice do you have for young material engineers who want to enter the automotive industry? First, the knowledge is very important. So you need to make sure you fully understand the basics and the fundamentals of material science. I mean, this will be the most important foundation of your future career especially if you want to address the scientific challenges or invent or groundbreaking technology for the automotive industries. For example, how you're going to, you know, decrease the production cost of 
carbon fiber, right? How you're going to recycle those carbon fiber in a cost effective and a green way. That is the biggest challenge in the research field. So all the scientists are trying to make every effort to address this challenge, but it's kind of we're stuck right now. So the future scientists can do this work for the whole people in the world. And the second thing I, I want to say is the materials, it's not just uh, the problem for the material scientists. This is kind of a problem what ex widely exists in different research fields. So collaborating with different teams from various research fields will be very important for the future engineers. So you need to be open to all the scientists, all the researchers, all engineers, and then put all heads together and you know, propose a solution to address some scientific challenges. And last but not least, I think all the students need to be ambitious. You know, when you face a problem, you think, am I the right person to do this issue? I don't think so. Never say that. <laughs> you need always to be confident that you are the right person and you will find the right time with the right people to do the right job and address the scientific challenges for the people around you. Yeah, that is my three suggestions. That's great advice. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. And so we, we definitely learned a lot today about um, light alloys, how they compare with, with other materials in the automotive space. So we just wanted to thank you for your time and thank you for sharing your insight into the automotive industry. Thank you very much, it's my pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the It's a Material World podcast. If you enjoyed the show, consider subscribing on your favorite podcast app so you never miss another episode. David and I also created a career development guide for MSCs, which you can download for free using the link in the show notes below. If you have any feedback, we would love to hear it. We want to grow this show with our community's input, so you can message us via email or any of our social media platforms. Links will be provided in the show notes as well. We'll see you soon, and in the meantime, go change the world.